This is Joyride. In this podcast series, we'll be exploring some of the most iconic cars in history. I, Jared Brandon Flandy, will be taking the driver's seat as your host. Please sit back and enjoy the ride. Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of Joyride. Now, things are going to be a little bit more different today because I have two guests with me on the show. I have my good friend Simon Huff and my sister Callie. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, Doing just fine. Now, I gave a little hint on what this episode is going to be about. If any of you guessed, yes, it is the Ford Mustang. And the reason why I have Simon and Callie on is because they have been or still are both Mustang owners. So tell me, what, are you, uh, what did you have, Callie? Uh, I used to own a 2004 Mustang. Um, it was a V6. It was automatic, so it was a 3.8 liter. Um, it was a bit of an older, older one, obviously, uh, but I uh, loved that car, and I missed that car so much. Okay, and what did you have, Simon? I got a 71 Mustang, a 351 Cleveland, uh, upgraded to the four-barrel, 150,000 miles, runs like a champ. Awesome, I like it. So you guys have both listened to the show. You know how the basic format is. So uh, you guys ready to hear a story? Yeah, let's Yes, hear it. sir. Okay, here we go. The Ford Mustang galloped its way onto the world stage in 1964. It was a car custom-made for the baby boom generation who were now armed with their driver's licenses and wanted a set of wheels that was far more exciting than the stoic cars their parents were driving. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Completely. Nice classy (laughs) car. Uh The Beatles were all the rage at the time, and Ford executives wanted to cash in from Beatlemania any way they could. They thought if the youth generation was buying into the culture of rock and roll music, then the automotive industry had to create their own version of this. A Ford executive, Lee Iacocca, felt that an affordable sports car was the answer to getting in on the action. The president of Ford at the time was Robert McNamara. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A, what do you guys think? (laughs) I would say so. I'd say it's close enough. (laughs) It's close enough. (laughs) McNamara did not agree with Iacocca. He felt Ford should continue to build slow and reliable cars. Now, this is interesting because the original inline six in the Mustang, I, w- I don't know if I'd consider it fast. But <laughs> once you once you drop the V8 in there, it, it definitely, of course, is going to appeal to the younger audience. All in right. that sound. However, another Ford employee, Don Fry, was supportive of the project. When trying to decide what young people really wanted from the automotive industry, he used his own kids to gather feedback. They simply told him that Ford cars, quote, sucked, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> would be the only time I have ever <laughs> With Fry's children's opinion in mind... Both Fry and Iacocca thought there might be a future for the fast Ford they envisioned. Iacocca initially experimented with this idea by making the Ford Falcon more sporty. Cool car. I hope to own one someday. I was going to say, those are pretty sweet cars. 
McNamara, or whatever his name is, would eventually be lured away from Ford when he was offered to be the Secretary of Defense for John F. Kennedy. Job I, yeah, that's a big job change. I'm not entirely sure what went down there. You go from building slow, boring cars to basically being in charge of the military for the most part. <laughs> Usually guys that like to build things typically turn out to be pretty smart. I Lots more than you think. Tanks are slow, too, so maybe that's why he liked it. <laughs> Stole words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this opened the playing field for Iacocca to build the sports car he wanted. Now, I thought this was pretty interesting. The iconic Mustang emblem was designed by a gentleman named Phil Clark. Phil Clark was only 33 and knew he was dying to neurological problems he was experiencing. He knew this would probably be the last project he would work on, so he gave it all when he was designing the logo. The end result was the Mustang badge we all know and love. A sweet logo. One of the best. Yes. The final production car, though, would be very different from the initial prototype designs, but both Clark's badge and the name stuck. The car's name comes from the airplane the United States used during World War II, the P-51 Mustang. As a side note, as highlighted in the movie Ford vs. Ferrari, the Ford company did build airplanes for the Air Force during the war. Hmm. Much like Saab. Much (laughs) like Saab, yeah, because Simon's (laughs) also a Saab owner on top of being a Mustang owner. And a Suzu owner. About half of them are crap. I'll let you decide. <laughs> <laughs> I like them all. Don't feel bad. Now, on that topic, though, of Ford versus Ferrari, everything I've done the research on this, I mean, I knew the story of that movie. If, if anyone hasn't seen the movie yet, it's basically about uh, the Ford GT40, which won Le Mans in 66. But they got a lot of things right in that movie. I haven't seen it. I, I really want to see that movie. Yeah, surprisingly more accurate than you'd expect. Because the 24-Hour War, yeah, another really great doc that's on Amazon Prime, I think, about the same situation. But it, it pretty much follows it scene by scene. Except for it plays into America a little bit more than it does Italy. But it honestly, it doesn't take away from the movie at all, I don't think. Yeah, you know, you can't totally recreate history when you're making a movie like that. But I thought they did a pretty good job of coming close anyway. Oh, I think so, too. Love the movie. Okay, to segue in from that, when Henry Ford II asked if they could sell the car, Iacocca said he was pretty sure they could. Ford's response was, quote, you'd better, end quote. (laughs) Confidence is key. (laughs) I think that was a little bit of a motivator yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to screw up and lug that day when your boss is that to you yeah iacocca knew that for the car to be successful the car would have to have a major advertising campaign in order to make it successful on the eve of the car's launch iacocca took a major gamble by ba- by buying airtime on all three of the american television networks in order to air commercials about the mustang go big or go home he went big. I mean, that I don't know what that would have cost, but I, from what I had researched, that like ABC, NBC, CBS, whoever was all those ones that are back back then, th- literally everyone was sitting in front of their TVs on all those different stations getting the same commercial. Imagine if you flipped the channel and every single channel was a must had a Mustang ad at some point. Like that, I mean, that, I'd be, be okay nuts. with that. 
you know? Me too. <laughs> but it would That's... definitely be weird to be like, I just can't escape it. I remember being a kid and uh, turning on the TV to watch cartoons or, or whatever, and then the president would do his, you know, speech to the nation. Uh-oh. And I remember just clicking through it, you know, because we just had antenna TV just going, he's on every channel. <laughs> <laughs> It was really annoying. <laughs> Didn't know the president was on Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes, Iacocca's advertising gamble had paid off. The car became an instant hit. The Mustang was first unveiled on April 17, 1964, at the New York World's Fair. Now, I think that's pretty cool. Back in the day, like even up into the 60s, World's Fairs were big, big deals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they built huge monuments like the Eiffel Tower was for the Paris World's Fair. And the Space Needle in um, Seattle was built for a World's Fair as well. And as for as revolutionary as the pony car um, platform is, I, I think it makes sense because it has de- it defined an era and it st- defines a genre of cars still to this day. I mean, like, everyone was going for the pony car. Everyone wanted the best pony car. So Yeah, that's a good place to have it. It still kind of has that image, yeah. So, demand was so high that one dealership in Chicago was met with a crowd of people who all wanted to buy the new car. The dealership owner ended up having to lock the doors out of fear that he was going to be stampeded by the enthusiastic mob that had gathered outside of his business. (laughs) That's a V8 not... and something without four-wheel drive? Oh, Let's buy it. Poor guy. The car proved so popular, the only problem Ford was having was they could not build them fast enough in order to meet demand. The company would build 400,000 Mustangs during the first production year alone, which would earn Ford over $1 billion in 1960s money. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then Henry Ford II took that billion dollars and built the GT40, I'm guessing. Not bad. (laughs) Not bad. For as many tries as that took, I'd say it's still worth it. Yep. So, Callie, you'll you'll like to hear this. Women bought as many Mustangs as men did in this initial period. Uh Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) It was a pretty slick car. I mean, it was appealing to the eye, too. Well, what was basically going on, from my understanding, was this was the 60s, so women's, women's liberation was actually really starting to kick in. And that rebellious car. They, they felt that, well, we want the excitement, too. If the men can have it, then we should have it, too. So. And the muscle, the birth of the muscle car fell perfectly into that. Just perfect time. Everything just oh, meshes right. together here with this particular one. No, it all comes together really perfectly. Have you ever met any other female Mustang owners, Callie? A uh, couple. Um, they take care of them like a baby. <laughs> uh, they work on them on their own. They usually, um, you know, only specifically work with certain dealerships and um, private people to work on their cars with them. But yeah, I've known a couple. They're really rare though nowadays, to be honest with you. Uh, especially since I feel like a lot of people these days, um, as sad as it may be, do not like Ford and do not like uh, Ford Muscle, which is kind of sad. I get it to some degree, but at the same time, it is a bummer. So with women's liberation going on, all this stuff, despite the Mustang's success, though, Iacocca wanted an even more high-performance version of the car. He would turn to someone who would become an automotive legend. This was a cowboy hat-wearing, smooth-talking gearhead from Texas. Can you tell me? All right, all right. 
It's not Matthew McConaughey, but he's almost oh. as cool. Can, can you tell me, Simon? Carol Shelby! There you go. I'm wearing a Cobra Jet shirt right now. Between the both of them, they built the first Cobra. After this, the GT350 Mustang was built, which brought the car from 10 to 11, which would not be surpassed until the GT500. Now, I'm not very familiar with either of those two variants. Simon, can you tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, between the GT500 and the GT... Yeah, what I mean, I know that they were more powerful and whatnot, but what specifically was kind of made them different from your standard Mustang? Um, you, you're just gonna get the basic upgrades like suspension, power. They they didn't do a whole lot more else than that, other than most of the early Mustang stuff was trim packages and just horsepower performance. You might get a little bit of a suspension bump, but Really, you're just asking for more power for the higher you go up in the chain. And a Got price it. bump. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. And some <laughs> dope liveries that you can stick on the side. That's true. <laughs> Gotta have those. The Mustang was starting to lose its way. General Motors was coming out with new sports car models of their own. GM's Pontiac division, led by John DeLorean, had released the GTO and the Chevrolet division had released the Camaro. Did either of you know that John DeLorean originally was the uh, head of Pontiac for GM? I did, because every, every once in a while you see people claiming that he was he's the first person to build the original muscle car when he dropped a V8 into a Pontiac Tempest. He called it the GTO. But, I don't know, there's arguments to be made otherwise. Uh, yeah, and so if anyone's not familiar with who John DeLorean is, he started the DeLorean Car Company, which, if you're not familiar with that, it's the car in Back to the Future that Doc Brown made the time machine out of. So probably one of the most famous movie cars of all time. Pretty sure there's one in the Portland area. I've seen it. I'm sure there's about, I think, a little over 6,000 of the originals left. So they're not super rare, but relatively Anyhow, we'll keep going on here. The AMC Javelin would also prove to be a noteworthy competitor. I forgot all about AMC when I was researching this. <laughs> well, poor AMC. Yeah. The Javelin, largely forgettable, but cool. <laughs> yeah. To add to these problems, the 1970s oil crisis had hit, which caused the thirsty V8 cars being produced by Detroit to be not as desirable as they once were. Gas guzzlers. Gas guzzlers. Ford's answer to this was a smaller version of the car that they dubbed, wait for it, the Mustang 2. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very creative in the marketing department there. (laughs) The car was not received well since it only offered an inline four and a V6 and not a V8 engine. Despite the failing of the new Mustang, Iacocca was named president of Ford in 1969. Being in control of the company, the new president decided it was time to put the Mustang back on track. The efforts would result in the Mustang Mach 1. Now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) On that note of Lee Iacocca, on me and Callie's side of the family, like all the guys were just total Mopar, always in the Chrysler. And... And so they all worship Lee Iacocca because he was the CEO, I think, back in the 80s that turned him around out of bankruptcy for the first time, then 
someone will have to do it two more times for Chrysler over the years. But. <laughs> Pulling Chrysler out of the mud. So I always I always associated Lee Iacocca with Chrysler. I didn't realize he was so ingrained in Ford, though. Yeah, that's weird because I, I'm not a huge Mopar guy, but I always think of him as Ford because he's so in, ingrained in the history of the pony car. But yeah, I guess definitely works for both sides. During the 1980s, a new Mustang would be introduced. This model among enthusiasts is known as the Fox Body. Are you are either you a fan of the Fox Body? Yes. It uh, has yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Simon. It has slowly turned me around. I used to be all about only the 60s, early 70s. I'd say the cutoff is probably 72 for me, but the more and more I see him, the the more and more I like him. I don't know. I, I saw one the other day with just big fat radials on the back, and it, the cams were just chopping. And I've heard their shit boxes from everyone, but that doesn't mean I don't want to own it. You know, it just seems fun. It happens. Yeah, they do look. I mean, they're kind of cool. I I will admit, they, it it grew on me as well. I didn't at first like them, and it grew on me over time. The more and more I see them, I start to kind of like them. Yeah, very retro. Yeah, very. If you do all for retro, it's awesome. Yeah. Right. I remember seeing one years ago, and I didn't know what it was at first. And I, it wasn't until I actually had to go look at the back and went, that's a Mustang? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I like how it's small. I mean, smaller than the previous ones, but it didn't really look like a Mustang to me, at least. It didn't to me either. It just, yeah, it Not kind of was away all. from that traditional body style that they had. If you put it next to a Yugo, I feel like it looks far similar. Well, that doesn't take a lot of effort, but yeah, you're probably that right. That being said, I don't hate the way the Yugo looks, so everyone <laughs> take that into consideration. They need to bring the Yugo back, man. I couldn't agree more. That and the AMC Pacer. Oh, throw the Gremlin in there while you're at it. Yeah, there you go. Avocado hey. 70s green. Oh, <laughs> There was a little problem now, though, despite the Fox body coming along. The 1980s would start to experience a recession, which caused sales of the Mustang to slow. They got so bad in the late 80s, Ford was seriously considering to kill the Mustang nameplate entirely. When this news broke out, thousands of loyal Mustang fans sent letters to Ford pleading them to keep building the car. Because of this, the company decided that killing the Mustang would probably be a very bad idea. Like, we hate the Fox body, but we don't really hate it. You know? <laughs> yeah, everyone's changing the tune real fast. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Please, we'll take it if it's the Mustang. <laughs> Consequently, the Mustang has stayed in production to this day, which I'm sure you guys are glad to hear. Thank goodness. Because the Mustang has such a following, it's made many movie appearances. The most noteworthy examples include Bullet, starring Steve McQueen, released in 1968. The original Gone in 60 Seconds, which came out in 1974. And, of course, the remake starring Nicolas Cage in 2000. What do you guys think of either of those movies? Do they, do they live up to the Mustang deserving to be in them? Or do they deserve to have the Mustang? I I think I haven't seen the, <laughs> the other Gone in 60 Seconds, if I'm being honest. I've only seen the original one. That's the and, one I, I gave you, right? Correct. And... I thought the Mustang was awesome in that movie. From the, even in the recycled scenes, it, the Bullet Mustang is awesome. It's led to some pretty cool recreations even today. We, I think there's a Mustang Bullet trim for the 2019 year lineup, and it's, it's, just, it's just cool. It's just cool. Well, I mean, uh, for I mean, in Bullet, 
I mean, you got Steve McQueen, which is oh yeah, the like, king of cool, the coolest man in the world, you know, that yeah. driving your car. So they wait, I mean, what's the complaint there, right? Yeah, they pick the yeah. right guy, they pick the right I, car. You know, you can't go wrong. <laughs> I have no complaints if you throw a Mustang in a movie. Nope. <laughs> now I have seen both the gun in sixty seconds. I mean, the the one with Nicolas Cage is a technically better in a technical sense a better movie but i like the original one better like the car chase because it's yeah. just the car chase i mean if anyone hasn't seen it the car chase it's i think it's the longest in history it's like 45 minutes long it's so well worth the watch though yeah but besides just, yeah besides that i just love how it's basically just a really bad 70s movie it, it, yeah it's it's pretty bad but once you get to the car scene and they're just breaking and <laughs> stuff's falling off everywhere and it's still ripping around you know there might have to be an episode on on that because the story behind that's really interesting the guy that made that movie his name was hb hallecky he also so he wrote it directed it produced it starred in it paid for it and then did all his own stunt driving too what a man he's a do-it-yourselfer type (laughs) well he he had a a junkyard business or a salvage business, something like that. And I guess he hit it really big on it. And so he ended up making quite a bit of money. He is kind of a, a good rags to riches store. I think he even took like night classes and business in order to keep learning more while he was still, you know, like working 12 hours a day and whatnot. And so once he had all this money and he was always interested in movies. So he's like, I'm just going to make, I'm going to make my own movie. And he just went out and did it. I mean, he really didn't have a plan. Better movie than I could make with just a pile of money, probably. <laughs> As the years have progressed, Ford felt that the Mustang should be returned back to its roots. So in 2005, the Mustang was revamped in the retro style of the original model. It, I, yeah, this is the first, and I think they only get better from here on. The trains yeah. just keep looking meaner, more aggressive. I just... It, I don't think the two these look bad, but it only goes up. Okay, so that really brings our story to a close for the moment. What did you guys think? That was awesome. I enjoyed it. Oh, that was story. great. That was real fun. Yeah. Good. I want everyone else to uh, also be aware of, you know, this is our first pandemic podcast, so that's why we're all remote and have you guys being uh, brought in that way. Uh, we're, we're doing what we can, and that's all we can do, right? Got your best. So, since this is a podcast and you can't actually see the subjects we're talking about, I post a picture of the star car for each episode. But both of you have owned separate generations of Mustang. So, I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to c- toss a coin, and whoever calls it gets their model of Mustang as the picture for this episode. Ooh. Ooh. I like this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so, ladies first, Cal, you call. I'll go with heads. Heads, Simon, your tails. Sounds good. Okay, just flip. Looking at it now. It is tails. Woo-hoo! Woo! <laughs> yep. So I'm going to win that one. Sorry, Callie. But, uh, oh, good. No, no that's okay. awesome. Okay. Blue, slightly rusted 71 Mustang it is. <laughs> I love that blue. It's so pretty. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you much. Thank uh, you, Yep. All yep, right. Thank you. Until next time. Now for your hint about the next car we'll be talking about, as you know, we've been talking about British cars and German cars and most recently an American car. Our next one will be Italian. It was also originally built in the 1960s. And it was mid-engined.
Also, me and Simon had made a mini-documentary about the Mustang he currently owns, so if anyone is interested in watching that, I will post a link to the description of this podcast, so you can find it there and go watch it if you want to. So I want to thank everyone again for listening, and by all means, tell anyone you know who might be interested in this podcast so we can keep it going. With that said, thanks again, and stay tuned. Thank you.